I'm Ezra Fieldsmeyer. And I'm Marty Harding, and welcome back to another episode of Animation and Beyond. Yes, and on this episode, in honor of its 20th anniversary, we're going to be talking about Finding Nemo. Yes, Finding Nemo. Talk about a classic. We say classic a lot on this show, but Finding Nemo is truly a classic. One of the most successful anime movies of all time. And I think one of everyone's favorites if you pay any kind of attention to animated movies. So I won't speak for everyone, but I think a lot of people love this movie. So without further ado, we'll go into our song feature. Ezra? Yes. Yes, the song feature is Beyond the Sea, which is a classic song from the 1940s. That's right. Somewhere beyond the sea Somewhere waiting for me My lover stands on golden sands And watches the ships the song, which was originally recorded in English by Bobby Darin, released in 1946, is actually an English version of the song La Mer, which was popularized by the French singer Charles Trenet. And Trenet wrote that song in French. He wrote it as a poem when he was a teenager. It got recorded by many, many different artists. It got sang by Bobby Darin. He got it popular in the United States. That version in English got recorded by so many different artists. And eventually, Darren's version was number six on the Billboard Hot 100. Oh, interesting. Yeah. How would you describe the song Somewhere Beyond the Sea? Upbeat, uplifting, breathtaking, like jazz. Yeah, there's there's brass instruments. They're using a swing rhythm. You've got trumpets with mutes on them that give the trumpets a softer, fuzzier quality to them. You hear those in the background. You can almost feel the wind in your hair listening to this song, like you're sitting on the side of the ocean. Yeah, I know. And this song was covered by Robbie Williams for the credits of Finding Nemo. Yes. And I think it was in the trailer too, right? Yes. The original trailer for when it the film was first released. And it's a, it's a classic blues song from the 1940s. Why do you think they put this song with the movie Finding Nemo? Because, of course, it takes place in the sea. Yeah, yeah. But it's also, the song is talking about, if you listen to the lyrics, somewhere beyond the sea, somewhere waiting for me, waiting for me, my lover stands on golden sands and watches the ships go sailing. So it's about a person looking out of the ocean longing to find someone he hasn't met yet. Hmm. and Finding Nemo is obviously about Marlon trying to find his son Nemo. So it's not a lover, but it's his son. It's someone he loves. Yes, yes, I know. that. I can see why, yes. I know that uh, similarly, another classic song, blues song, that's also from the 1940s, which was in another classic Pixar film, is Route 66, which was in Cars and also in a lot of the trailers. And it was originally by Nat King Cole. And the version by... Chuck Berry, as well as John Mayer's version created for the film, was in it. And also, which makes sense, similar to Beyond the Sea from Finding Nemo, which connects to what it's about. Route 66 connects to what Cars is about. Absolutely. Yeah, both songs go very well with their movies. Yeah, yeah, it's a good observation. And they're just interesting that they're both famous songs from the 40s, and they were in two of the most famous movies Pixar did. 
Absolutely. And you cannot minimize the impact of a soundtrack for a movie, especially an animated movie. Yep. Music is so, so important for setting the mood. I know. Anything else you want to say about Beyond the Sea, Ezra? It's such a really fun song to listen to. It is. It's very French. It's very fun. Big orchestra vibes. Yeah, it is. Now let's move on to our feature presentation and celebrate the anniversary of this beloved award-winning masterpiece. It's the 20-year anniversary, correct? Yes, of Finding Nemo. When did Nemo originally come out? It was originally released on May 30th, 2003. Wow, so we really are 20 years and 28 days from the exact release date of Finding Nemo. Yes, and this was Pixar's fifth feature film. It was. It was directed by Pixar's Andrew Stanton and Lee Unkrich. Yeah, Lee Unkrich, the who would later direct Toy Story 3 and Coco. Yes, and I think Andrew Stanton worked on A Bug's Life, WALL-E, and the Toy Story movies as well. Yes, yes, that's right. As we remember in this film, the, the plot, we know it's about Marlin who goes on a long journey to find his son Nemo and meets a forgetful but friendly fish named Dory. And they go on a long journey and encounter sharks, an anglerfish, jellyfish, sea turtles, and even a whale. That's right. They meet a whole slew of different animal creatures. And I read that that's in part because this movie was loosely inspired by a trip to Marine World, which is now called Six Flags Discovery Kingdom, that Andrew Stanton took. When he was in his early career, he thought that the ocean and everything he saw there could be done beautifully in am animation. And indeed it was. Yeah, I agree. And I remember the prologue of Finding Nemo, which was kind of dark and tragic when there was coral marlin's wife until a hungry barracuda came that's right so the movie starts and you know already that marlin lost his wife and nemo has lost his mom and he was the and he was the only surviving egg so how does that shape their relationship throughout the movie ezra showing how marlin is a nervous and overprotective and nemo thinks he could do this on his own but after he gets lost, he ends up in the tank in a dentist's office where he meets some other friendly fish. That's right. So Nemo's in the dentist office for a lot of the movie. And it introduces some funny and hilarious fish characters like Bubbles, a yellow fish who's obsessed with bubbles, <laughs> a starfish named Peach, a blowfish named Bloat, and some other really funny characters. Yes. And uh, Gil, I forget what kind of fish Gil is, but he's got the big scar on his face and is kind of a scarier character. But he was kind and helpful. He was, yes. So let's talk about the voice actors in Finding Nemo. Albert Brooks, who's a famous comedian who voiced Marlin. What else is he known for? Like a recurring guest star on The Simpsons. Also uh, in a lot of other films. And I know he another animated voice he did was in Illumination's The Secret Life of Pets that came out around the same time as the sequel, which we'll talk about later. Oh, who did he play in The Secret Life of Pets? Tiberius the Hawk. Oh, fun. So he is an established animation voice actor. Yes, he is. He's known for a lot of things, and he's a comedian. Well, Marlon is very funny, and I think I read that 
William H. Macy was cast as Marlon first, and they decided that Marlon needed to have a lighter tone, so they cast Albert Brooks, which makes sense because he's a comedian, like you said. Yep, and Ellen DeGeneres voiced Dory, this blue, forgetful, but, but lovable fish. Yes, Dory is famous. She suffers from short-term memory loss, which leads to some pretty comedic instances in the movie. Yes, yes. Can you think of any instances that Dory forgets and it's funny, Ezra? Nemo's name, like some of them, like the names, like she when she couldn't remember Nemo's name were references to the Marx Brothers. And towards the end, she even says Elmo, like we all know from Sesame Street. That's right. Yeah, this movie has a bunch of tiny little references. I read that there's a reference to The Shining in it when the shark is attacking them and he says, here's Brucey, which is a reference to The Shining. And I forgot to mention that Bruce, the shark who was who just wanted to be friendly instead of be a predator, he wanted to be nice with fish and treat them as friends, not as food. As we remember the line, fish off friends, not, not food. food. I did hear recently the actor who voiced him, comedian Barry Humphreys, passed away. That's sad to hear. He was 89. So he had a nice long life. I'm going to mention that Alexander Gould, the voice of the title character, Nemo, is the brother of my future sister-in-law, who will be a, who is my younger brother's fiance because they're getting later married later this year. That is so exciting. Have you talked to Alex about voicing Nemo? I did once when I talked to him a long, long time ago, and sometime we'll interview him on my podcast. That is the hope that we'll get him on here. Though he's a lot older now. He was only nine years old when he auditioned and a year later got the role of Nemo. And I know a fun fact that uh, the director of the film, Andrew Stanton, voiced Crush, the friendly sea turtle. Oh, I didn't know that. So he had a little voice cameo in his own movie. Yes, a lot of other films, they had their directors were had cameos. And Crush, like we remember the, the friendly sea turtle when Marlon and Dory were in the EAC, the East Australian Current. That's right. And he helps them get them to where they think Nemo is. I remember that. And I remember when the scene with the jellyfish. Where they're bouncing between the jellyfish. And when Marlon was stung by them, it didn't hurt as much because clownfish have a special thing because they live in anemones, that's what prevents them from being stuck. That's right. That was just one of many, many things that happened to Marlon and Dory on their quest to find Nemo. Now, there was so much about the ocean that they had to work into the plot of this movie. The crew of this movie actually had to take a crash course in oceanography and ichthyology, which is the study of fish, and marine biology. So they were able to better portray the fish and creatures underwater in a realistic way. Interesting, yeah. And I liked that, just like other Disney and Pixar movies, it had some fun Easter eggs. Like, in the dentist's office, if you look closely, there's a Buzz Lightyear toy, a direct reference to their to Pixar's following movie. There's an Incredibles comic. And towards the end of the film, right before the credits, there's a cameo of Luigi from Cars, even though that did not come out till a few years later. Oh, so they were foreshadowing. Because it was undergoing production at the time. Oh, Pixar and Disney. Both so clever about their Easter eggs, always. And then in the credits, if you look closely, there's even a cameo of Mike Wazowski from their previous film, Monsters, Inc. Oh my goodness. They packed a lot in. Yes. And there were even the moonfish who were really funny when they shaped into different things, like a swordfish. 
this movie has a lot of fun stuff going on. I will mention that this movie was the second ever movie to be translated into the Navajo language. Disney and Pixar teamed up with the Navajo Nation Museum and created a dubbed version of the film that came out in 2016. And the only other movie who that had been dubbed in the Navajo language at that time was Star Wars, which came out in 2013. Interesting, yeah. And that was just to help kids preserve the Navajo language since most people who spoke the language were 40 or older at that time, which I thought was a really clever idea, especially considering Finding Nemo's success. Yes, I know. I also know there was the Pizza Planet truck, which is also a recurring Easter egg, because if you look closely, like in Gil's plan, as they come up with an escape plan, they're one of them, the things that you, you can see is the Pizza Planet truck. Which is present in all Pixar films. Yes, and also A113 that did appear on the diver's camera. Of course. And question for you, Ezra, do you remember the address? P. Sherman, 20, P. Sherman 42 Way, Wallaby Way, Sydney. The dentist's office. Because I know that the dentist, Philip Sherman, he wasn't, I wouldn't really completely consider him a villain, really. But he wasn't a very smart guy and he wasn't really the, one of the most popular dentists. It's true. He's kind of a small character in the film, but definitely is not a positive figure in, Nevo, in Nemo's life. And definitely not considered completely considered to be a villain. No. And I know he was voiced by the late Bill Hunter, who was an Australian actor. Oh, cool. So yeah, that's a key part of the film. Marlon and Dory travel a long way to get to Australia and find Nemo. And, then, and as they go on the long journey, Marlon at first thinks he lost hope and thinks he will never find his son. But Nemo does manage to escape through a drain and does eventually make it back to the ocean. That's right. And it ends happily. And I liked also in the film where the some other funny memorable characters, the seagulls, that just went, mine, 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 mine. <laughs> That's so true. That's one of the most memorable scenes from this whole movie. And they mimicked it with a scene in Finding Dory. Did you catch that? Yes. Yes, in the sequel, which we'll talk about soon. And Finding Nemo, when it came out, was a critical and commercial success. And it ended up winning an Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. That's right. I think it was also when it came out the highest grossing animated film ever at that time. I think apparently like out like um, surpassing The Lion King. Yes. And then another Pixar film later outdid Nemo. But at the time that it came out, it was the highest grossing, which is pretty impressive. Yes. And the impact of it, the success of it, it got attractions and shows at theme parks like Finding Nemo Submarine Voyage at Disneyland. Crush's Coaster, which is at in Disneyland Paris, a Finding Nemo musical at Disney's Animal Kingdom, and Turtle Talk with Crush in some of the Disney parks, and a lot of other things that have Finding Nemo-based attractions. Wow, that's a lot of spinoff content. I know. So what about Finding Dory? The sequel, which came out 13 years after the first. And what was the plot of it? It took place just a year after the first movie, after the after they finally found Nemo. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I remember, I forgot to mention Nemo's other friends, like like Sheldon the seahorse, Tad the butterfly flesh, and Pearl the octopus, who were Nemo's friends from school, remember? Yes, of course. They were in the sequel as well. And I know that finding Nemo at the end did have a happy ending when Nemo was found, and Nemo does go on an adventure at the end, happy to be going 
to school like he's been wanting to. Yes, and Marlin stops being too overprotective of Nemo and lets him do what he wants. Yeah, he fulf- he completes his character arc. And it and the film did have a really happy ending. It did. And what about Finding Dory? What was the plot of Finding Dory? It was about Dory and how she remembers her parents and how she got separated a long time ago when she was very small. And so she goes to find her parents, right? With Nemo and Marlin on a journey to the coast of California. But along the way, of course, just like we remember in the first movie, she has short-term memory loss and has trouble remembering, like, anything. That's right. And I remember laughing a lot during Finding Dory. It was just as funny as the first movie. I agree. And it was emotional, too, and heartwarming. And I remember Dory meets an octopus who's actually a septopus named Hank. That's right. And who could change colors and blend in with things. The way octopus, the way octopi can. And also a beluga whale named Bailey and a whale shark named Destiny. Yes, and all of those characters help Dory, Marlin, and Nemo find Dory's family at the California, what is it, Marine World? Marine Life Institute. Marine Life Institute. Yes, and I know there was also some sea lions in the film and sea otters and some new kinds of sea creatures we didn't see in the first movie. That's so interesting that they added new creatures. The credits had a cover version of a classic song from the 40s called Unforgettable, which was originally by Nat King Cole and covered by Sia. It's clever that they took another 1940s song and used that in the credits of the sequel. And as we discussed earlier, Beyond the Sea was used in the credits of the first film. And I think some other famous songs that related to Cars were in the sequels of Cars, similar to what they did in the first. They're really keeping it consistent. I know that Disney initially had planned to make a Finding Nemo sequel without Pixar's involvement with something called from the short-lived Disney Circle 7 animation, but that was later canceled due to the sh- they closed it following when Disney acquired Pixar. Gotcha. So because they merged, it became a separate project. Yes, and when I know Finding Dory, when it was released on June 17th, 2016, Thomas Newman did do the music for it just like he did for the first movie and he did a great job like i said earlier music is everything and this movie had a great soundtrack i remember the voice of legendary actress sigourney weaver was in it playing who voice heard in the marine life institute who was also the axioms voice in another pixar film wally oh awesome so she came back yeah anything else you want to say about finding nemo or finding dory really great films that Gave us a splash. <laughs> they did make a splash when they came out. Both excellent films that will hopefully be watched over and over and over again. Yes. And, our, and Finding Nemo is a very beloved, um, very well-known movie we all know and love today. It's true. All right. Let's move on into trivia. <laughs> to answer our trivia question from last episode about Peter Pan. What actors from Disney's previous film, Alice in Wonderland, were also in Peter Pan? And the answer is... Catherine Beaumont and Bill Thompson. And who did they play? Catherine Beaumont, who voiced the title character in, in Alice in Wonderland, 
also happened to be the voice of Wendy. And they looked very similar. And the actresses were also the model, were also the models for the characters. That makes sense. You have to make their voice match their face. And Bill Thompson, who voiced the White Rabbit and Alice in Wonderland, voiced Mr. Smee. Oh, awesome. So he had two sidekick roles. Yeah. He was a recurring Disney voice actor. He was also in others like Sleeping Beauty, Lady and the Tramp, and the Aristocats. And he was known for Drippy Dog from Tom and Jerry. Very fun. That's quite the resume. All right. And so this week, we've got a question about Finding Nemo, of course. What prominent actor voiced Gil, the dentist office aquarium residing fish that befriends Nemo and has a scar on his face? And we'll give you the answer in the next episode of Animation and Beyond. Bye. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.